Welcome to the Supporting Children Affected by Domestic Abuse podcast. In this series, you'll learn about some of Stockport's domestic abuse partnership projects that are addressing this important issue. We share with you our learnings from a series of intervention and prevention projects from across our borough, including innovative work in hospitals, schools and training. Through this series, we hope that we can share and inspire similar projects in other local authorities and communities across the UK and beyond. This multi-agency approach is funded by the Home Office to explore how best to support children that may be experiencing domestic abuse. These projects aim to explore different ways to educate children, professionals and perpetrators in relation to domestic abuse. The ultimate aim was to reduce the impact on children and young people where they were experiencing domestic abuse, either in their own relationships or within their family homes. The episodes were recorded live at the Children Affected by Domestic Abuse Conference hosted by Stockport Metropolitan Borough Council. In this episode, you'll hear from Stockport Without Abuse. It's a charity that provides a range of services to help women, men and children who are affected by domestic abuse. First up is the charity CEO, Naz Gudrati, who tells you what they've learned from their Safe Choices programme that works with high-risk young people with complex cases. After Naz, you'll hear from their children and young people worker, Emily Norman. Hello, my name is Naz Babati. I'm Chief Executive Officer of Stop Up Without Abuse. I'm going to talk to you about WIP versus Safe Choices. It's part of a CADA project and Bianca is here, the person, the amazing person that actually delivered the project. Um, she can answer your questions if you had any a lot better than I do. Um, so some of you might already know, in 2013, the law, uh, domestic abuse law changed to reduce the age of domestic abuse from the age of 18 to 16 in order to capture the experience of uh, younger victims of domestic abuse. What we did here in Stockport, we joined the experiences that we had coming to our services with what we needed the service to be. So the role WIPVA stands for Young Persons Violence Advisor, which is a peculiar title. But we added the safe choice element to it because we were aware that when young people come to our service at the age of 16, 17, 18, they've already had other abusive relationships and we wanted to reduce the age in order to capture that and understand that better. So the service was designed for 13 to 18, and it was really, really child-focused with a different set of assessments and approach. Um, again, majority of domestic violence services traditionally is made to work with adults. So this was designed to actually implement interventions having a younger person in mind. So the referrals came through, we started the work, um, interventions were being uh, implemented, 
Around six or seven months into the service, we had the first cohort of our clients exiting the service. So Leanne, the team leader of Aspire, and I sat together one whole day, and we thought we we're going to map the journey of the clients who came to the service from different point of view, our service and what we did and what was recorded for them to see what was the journey of our young people like in the service. So you were pleased to know we had a significant number of really, really good practice from when a third party, a different practitioner was identifying uh, the domestic abuse. It was a really quick referral to Bianca. Bianca was picking up the service quite quickly. They were engaging really, really well. Uh, what we identified was really significant, and we really guessed that was, uh, this was a major reason for the success of this project, was the professional boundaries of who does what was really, really clear. So one person was dedicated to deal with domestic abuse, an advocate on behalf of um, the victim and domestic abuse matters. Um, sometimes certain job titles could act as a perceived view of what that role might mean, but having a separate person with with domestic abuse title attached to it, made a big difference in how people were engaging with the service. Uh, we had really good level of communications between practitioners. We had exceptional good level of communication and work when it was with the SPIRE team and us and with education and us, some really, really good examples. So what we found out in the project was 17 of the 24 cases, at that point we had 24 cases exiting our service, 17 of that 24 cases were known to us through the parental domestic abuse. And by us, I mean us as an adversarial who works with high-risk complex cases of domestic abuse and aspire that deals with complex safeguarding. I think this is a really important point to actually inform our strategy about how we implement early interventions and have some targeted early interventions. Eight of the 24 victims were victims of CSE. They were known to Aspire, and um, Leanne already confirmed that uh, the interventions implementation for CSE has completely changed since when they were their clients. So we are really hopeful some of the issues that we were experiencing uh, working with young people won't become an issue in future cases. Something that I really, really want you to pay attention to, and. It, this really affected me, and to the point that I remember, it was a Tuesday afternoon, I was preparing the report for the steering group for CADA, and when I ran the report, the abuse profile of young people were really, really similar to adult men and women coming to our service. So I want you to think about 13-year-old, 14-year-old, 15-year-old who are being abused by children the same age, 13, 14, 15, um, experiencing strangulation, experiencing strangulation during unwanted sex, experiencing physical violence to the point of loss of pregnancy. These are really, really heavy traumatic events that it's going to affect a young person's engagement with us and throughout their adult life. I think as professionals, we really have a very heavy responsibility to actually, in all our interaction, consider the long-lasting effect of trauma on young people who experience such a heavy level of trauma. 
We had first disclosures of rape and sexual violence. We were really, really fortunate because Bianca has been working with Rape Crisis Center before, and she was really, really experienced in how to facilitate and help first disclosures. Um, and this is something that Leanne and I actually identified. We want to work with other professionals who come into interaction with young people to learn how best to facilitate first disclosures because those are really, really crucial and really important. Um, something else that we find out was that the length of engagement of young people with the services were slightly different than adults. They, they were engaging with the service longer, but with a different pattern. So adults will come to service, they want to get everything done and they want to leave. Young people don't necessarily want to engage with the same level of intensity, but somehow when they acknowledge the interventions are finished, they still want to hang around, and that actually made us think about what is our exact strategy uh, for young people to feel safe and connected into somebody that is supporting them, listening to them, and engaging with them. Our new learnings, certainly my new learning as an adult practitioner, was to identify violent and volatile relationships it are really, really common in, in children. We really need to consider how we, we perceive the experience of abuse for younger people. An area we identified, which I suspect is an area of gap in practice across the whole of Greater Manchester, are 16 and 17-year-olds who don't hit the threshold of high-risk domestic abuse, so they don't get to Marac system and they don't get officially recorded anywhere could experience medium-risk domestic abuse, which in a young person's life could actually create complexities, and they won't be recorded anywhere. So nobody's actually keeping an eye on their safeguarding and escalation. Um, we already started to implement some new methodical way of recording this and communicating it with other professionals, but this is, this is a gap that we identified. They are people 16 and 17 who are essentially children, not in school, and nobody will know about their experience of abuse. Um, we identified in some education setting, there is a slight sense of disconnect between safeguarding leads and the people who take on the pastoral role to refer to us. We already amended that. We started to engage the safeguarding leads regardless of their engagement with the process because we thought it's really important for them to know. Um, and we actually identified universal services for 15, 16, 17-year-olds are crucial to understand domestic abuse. Um, young people who are not hitting the high-risk threshold usually go to universal services talking about the stress, the anxiety, the depression, and they get treated for the symptoms without having conversations about domestic abuse. And again, that was another one of our plans that we identified we need to implement training to kind of facilitate universal services, mental health services, healthy mind, him, to kind of um, open up that conversations and involve us in um, offering support to young people. Going forward, uh, we really need to think about how this is actually going to inform our strategy and our practice. Um, I want all of us to be mindful of how this is affecting young people, not only when they're young, because we tend to have a bit of a soft spot for younger people, but actually when they approach adulthood and how they engage with our services, next time when an adult person shouts at us, 
think that maybe, maybe this is still the impact of heavy traumas they're experiencing in, in childhood, and really think about how we actually incorporate that trauma into our day-to-day -day practice and how it's affecting us. Something else that I really, really want to urge you is don't forget boys when you think about domestic abuse. Boys often go missing on being screened for being a victim. And also there is something profoundly sad about a boy that is instigating and perpetrating abuse. Uh, boys experience trauma. Boys could be witnessing domestic abuse when they're growing up, and we must offer them compassion. We must offer them support in order to reduce the risk of domestic abuse in adult life. This is really, really important. I really want you to think about how our biases or how our strategy, which is predominantly about women and girls, is actually affecting how we include boys as part of the strategy and our day-to-day -day practice. And stay hopeful. I remember when I did the first report, I really felt sad. I, I felt really overwhelmed with the number of, the, the, the gravity of abuse that the young people were experiencing. But Bianca often shares amazing writings of the young people who actually write letters to her, write uh, amazing pieces of how actually doing this work has changed their perception about abuse, how it's going to affect their future relationships. They do talks in schools, they write for the school, they write amazing cards for her. And that always makes me feel a tiny bit hopeful. Uh, if we engage in the right way with young people, is actually going to make a difference. And I really want us to not to feel so burdened by the, the, the gravity of abuse. Thank you very much. Thanks, Naz. Next up is Emily Norman. She's Stockport Without Abuses Children and Young Persons Prevention Worker. She's here to tell you about a fantastic domestic abuse resource project that's currently being piloted in a school in Stockport. She tells you about what's been going on in the project, including how they're using stop-motion animation to share key messages about domestic violence. Hi, good morning everyone. My name's Emily Norman. I work for Stop Put Without Abuse as the Children and Young Persons Prevention Worker. I'm excited to talk to you guys about a domestic abuse education resource project uh, that we've been piloting in Werner School. So it was organised by Rosie Rodwell. I've been sort of facilitating the group alongside Bianca um, and we've also had an a sort of creative lead with us as well, a lady called Tamsin Foster. So the aim of the project has been to provide a creative activity for young people who've been affected by domestic abuse. So I'll talk to you guys about some of the objectives of the project. And so to provide young people with a better understanding of what domestic abuse is, spotting some of the signs of abusive behaviour, its impact and how to seek sort of support, how to build resilience. And as we were looking at earlier in some of the stats in terms of young people who are experiencing unhealthy relationships when they're in their teens, it's likely that they may have experienced that growing up as well. So something like this is really, really important in terms of helping them with their future relationships. We wanted to offer a safe, inclusive space for young people to explore their thoughts, their feelings, and as well as meet other young people who've had similar experiences. 
experiencing domestic abuse can be an extremely isolating thing for a young person uh, and to meet other young people that may have gone through something similar can hopefully help reduce that. So sort of through doing this, we wanted to work with the young people to create a stop motion animation video. So stop motion animation is basically like Ardman videos, Wallace and Gromit, <laughs> that kind of thing. I'm not gonna make it to that scale, but uh, so, we wanted to encapsulate some key messages that the young people wanted to sort of share with a chosen audience. Um, so we've spoken to them about, you know, what messages would you like to give to professionals who are working with young people experiencing domestic abuse or other young people uh, who might be look, going through it or to maybe teachers, that kind of thing. By doing this, we wanted to build their confidence, build their self-esteem by allowing them to learn a new creative skill. And although we've got a few sessions left, we have seen that progress already, which is fantastic. The aim of the video is that we're going to show this to, uh, like we said, to another their sort of chosen audience, the young people that we've worked with instantly said they want it on YouTube, so we need to try and get it on YouTube, and we're hoping that we can maybe like show it in assemblies, and yeah, so hopefully you guys will be able to see that. In terms of how we organised this, we targeted sort of, we wanted to target between sort of five to ten young people in years seven, eight and nine, um, so ages between sort of 11 and 15, and this was within one school, and this would be working with school support, so safeguarding leads, school social workers, and targeting people we know have experienced domestic abuse, and seeing if they wanted to take part. The reason why we wanted to say sort of up to ten is that we know that attendance may drop so with this group we originally started with six and we're now sort of round to two maybe three um so but this is a pilot so it's um it's something that's understandable we've sort of liaised with school support so that if any concerns or any worries that come up we can liaise with them you know it's important that the young people knew that this wasn't a sort of a therapy group, but there was opportunities to um, talk about their experiences and their feelings, but that really we would sort of direct them towards support within school, because obviously we're only seeing them once a week, and it can bring up a lot of thoughts and feelings for them, and we wanted them to feel supported in that way. So it was 10 sessions, one hour every week after school, which is sometimes difficult to get young people to stay for an hour after school when they've been there all day, but we basically bribed them with quite a of food and drink and sweets don't give 13 year olds too many sweets though because they get very hyperactive the 10 sessions the first one was an introduction icebreaker getting to know them talking about self-care how do we look after ourselves what are our group rules the second session we looked at what was a healthy relationship what was an unhealthy relationship third one we were kind of busting some myths around domestic abuse you know how it can affect people from all walks of life that kind of thing uh, and then looking at how we stay safe the fourth session we looked at how do we build our resilience we did an exercise called a recipe for resilience and the importance of support networks the fifth session was designed to recap what we'd already learned and then introduce the idea of stop motion animation so this is where our creative lead Tamsin kind of started to take over session six which we instantly had yesterday Today, which was the storyboarding so we're putting together a script for the video sessions sort of seven to nine are kind of creating the resources that we're going to use in the video and starting the animation process so in stop motion animation you need 25 images for one second so it's quite an intricate process but luckily we've got Tamsin who's going to be doing a little bit of work in between the sessions as well and the final session will be a kind of 
a viewing session uh, and a final evaluation as well. Just show you some work that we've kind of done through the session. So this was uh, the session one when we asked the young people what they thought domestic abuse was and they came up with some fantastic ideas. Session two, where we looked at, we did an exercise called relationship goals and relationship knows. So we got them to kind of organize, I guess, behaviors into where they felt that they added up and the middle ones, which was a little bit suspicious behaviors. In the third sessions, we looked at what is true or false in terms of facts around domestic abuse. We also watched a video about a young person's experience of a of an unhealthy relationship and we identified the behaviours, we looked at the impact and then we looked at what advice we might give that young person and that was a, quite a powerful exercise. We, on the fourth session, when our resilience session, we did create a little video and then session five was us recapping all of the things that we'd learned. So they came up with some absolutely amazing ideas of, you know, what you would want in a relationship and what you wouldn't want in a relationship. When we spoke about self-care, things that make you feel better and what advice you would give someone that was experiencing relationship abuse. Things like you're not alone, it's not your fault, you deserve better, don't keep it to yourself and things like that. So um, some really powerful words from, from the young people. And what's so important for for this project is that for young people often their voices are so hidden and uh, they're so kind of pushed down in what is happening to them um, so being able to give them a voice and for professionals to be able to hear that for other young people to hear that is really important so what we've learned so far we've learned that it's really important to have a suitable space for group work one that's big enough one that is a safe environment for them uh, we ended up moving classrooms for one of the sessions which ended up being a maths room that all of the young people couldn't bear to be in and their behavior was awful for that session so we realized that keeping it into a, a safe consistent space is really important preparation this it was quite a short amount of time to organize this so if we were to go forward I think having a meet and greet with the young people having maybe having a chat with their parents beforehand in terms of like a kind of sit-down meeting and finding out a bit of background about the young people taking part as well. We feel that maybe the attendance might be higher if we may be doing it during school time, although uh, it has been quite good to have them after school as well. And then a consideration of kind of group dynamics as well. Some of the young people had sort of previous personal conflicts between them, which meant it was really difficult for them to take part in the group, um, which is you know really understandable. In terms of outcomes, we've only done six sessions, so we can't give any definitive outcomes at this stage. Uh, we have used the WenWebs, which is a emotional well-being indicator. So we did one at the beginning of the group, and we're going to do one at the end. At the end session as well, we're going to do a detailed evaluation interview where we're going to kind of see what they feel the benefits are, what can be improved. We're going to seek some feedback from school as well and see if there's been any incidents, any missing episodes, uh, any kind of general concerns or hopefully any positive improvements that they've seen as well. And we've been kind of logging each session as well in terms of observations that we've been making about the young people. So unfortunately, I can't come to you with definitive outcomes at this stage, but, but I have a feeling that they will be positive. And then finally... These are some of the other group-based interventions that I run in Stockport, um, through Stockport Without Abuse. So I'll just talk you really briefly through those. And if you want to find out any more information, I've got referral forms with me, leaflets, and I can answer any questions that you've got. So the first one is Me Too. So if anyone has heard of that, it's a programme that we run in primary schools. It's a 
series of workshops and group work, and that is for young people who may have experienced domestic abuse. It also promotes healthy relationships. It promotes how to stay safe and things like that. We also offer through the SRE team at Stockport Family a programme called REACH, which is an eight-week programme for young people in year eight and year nine. It explores healthy relationships, consent, safe sex, body image, and how to stay safe online. It kind of gives young people a safe, inclusive space to to talk about these things. Um, Most recently, uh, myself and Bianca have started pilot another programme called Relationships 101 at Stockport College, which is a six-week programme for young people roughly between the ages of 16 and 18, where we explore things like relationship dynamics, gender roles, power and control, and building resilience. We've only done two sessions, but so far it's been going really well and we're hoping to kind of expand that. These are all free programmes as well. Thank you very much. If you or anyone else you know is suffering from domestic abuse, please call the National Domestic Abuse Helpline 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 0808 2000 247. That's 0808 2000 247. For more information about what's been discussed in this episode, please visit safeguardingchildreninstockport.org.uk. Further links are available in this episode's show notes. You can also join the conversation on social media. Both Twitter and Facebook are forward slash StockportMBC. This podcast is produced by me, Vic Elizabeth Turnbull and is a Mike Media production.